Welcome back to radio station ECON 344, and this is the Publix 955. I'm your host, Dorian The Mill Washington, and today I'm joined by Brett Taylor and Justin George. How are you both doing today? I'm all right, Dorian. Excited to be here. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Big fan of the show. All right. Well, today we're talking about Apple and Ireland's appeal, the European Union, EU for short, taxation case against them. Now, I'm under the general impression that you both have looked into this case for some time now. Would you guys mind giving a little overview of what we can expect to hear today? Well, Dorian, over the course of this episode, Brett and I will discuss the situation, why we believe Ireland is appealing the decision, why the EU pursued the case, and the potential ramifications of the final verdict. We're also going to be including clips from interviews we conducted with Rishi Sharma, an economics professor at Colgate University who specializes in international trade and public finance, as well as an interview with Roman Radomazilski, a senior manager at Ernst & Young in the international tax FSO practice. I'll start by giving our listeners a little background knowledge of the topic. The sweetheart deal between Apple and Ireland was updated in 2007 and gave Apple an effective tax rate of around 2% as opposed to the general Irish corporate tax rate of 12.5%. Now recently, in 2015, the EU said that the sweetheart deal violated state aid and ordered Ireland to reclaim 13 billion euros lost in back taxes from Apple. Both Ireland and Apple are appealing this decision, with money currently sitting in escrow. So my question is, why are deals like this made? It seems like Ireland is losing a lot of money here, so I fail to see the benefit. You're exactly right, Dorian. By appealing the EU decision, Ireland is attempting to give up the 13 billion euros, which they could use to pay off their national debt, which currently is estimated to be over 200 billion euros. However, the Irish government believes that deals such as the one they struck with Apple help the economy more than the 13 billion euros would. Roman touched upon why he believes this is the case and provided us with some statistics. You know, in 2015 alone, the GDP in Ireland grew by 26%. That is a staggering, that's an extremely high number. Now, the high number can be easily explained. It's the multinationals moving in. And if you take the effect of multinationals moving into Ireland 2015 out of the picture, the local economy only expanded by about 3%, which is typical for OECD countries in Ireland as part of the OECD and Europe. U.S., you know, it's not great. Uh, it's certainly not fast growth. Uh, and you have to have some growth, and most economists, you know, agree that's around 2 to 3 percent to allow for the opportunities for the new generation to have jobs. You know, so the economy has to continue to expand if your population is expanding. So 3 percent is nothing to, to write home about, but 26 percent just as a result of this tax policy. I think that's, a, that's an impressive number. And there is one more bit of data that can support this policy as being rather wise. In 2015 as well, one out of five, one out of five jobs, so every fifth job in Ireland, in private sector, non-government jobs, was made available to local residents by the multinationals. So it's, it's also evidence of the broad impact of this policy on, on Irish local residents. So creating this kind of opportunity, you know, creating one-fifth more jobs you know, in terms of private sector coming from these multinationals, and these are relatively well-paid jobs compared to uh, you know, what we probably had before, you know, before the multinationals moved in, referencing the quote from The Economist about you know, a country of poor farmers transforming into the modern 
a knowledge economy. You know, I think it's, it's certainly measurable, and it's uh, and it's not insignificant. So the reason for this is that there's a multiplier effect when multinationals invest in a country like Ireland. An office is built, they hire employees, those employees pay individual income taxes, they pay property taxes, and they pay consumption taxes, like the value-added tax, which for our U.S. listeners is equivalent to a sales tax. And overall, they spend their money in the local economy. All right, that makes sense. So it seems like this is in the EU's favor, since this deal boosts the economy of one of its member states, right? I wouldn't necessarily say that this deal is in the EU's favor. I think as Brett illustrated, Ireland has benefited tremendously from their agreements with various multinational corporations. The other members of the EU, though, such as France and Germany, feel that this low tax rate makes it harder for them to attract foreign investment. I assume the EU feels the responsibility to maintain fair practice amongst its members and ensure countries don't engage in a race to the bottom where they undercut each other's tax rates and effectively lose any benefits from having this foreign investment. So based on what you both said, it seems evident that the EU is conducting a retroactive tax on Apple. I feel that taking a prospective route and enforcing the tax rate from here on out would be a much better means of achieving the same effect. Or at the very least, shouldn't Ireland be the one facing a fine from the EU instead of Apple? I completely agree with that. One of the justifications for why the EU pursued this case was because they're arguing that Ireland violated the bloc's state aid policy. From our interview with Professor Sharma, I think he summed up this issue pretty well. So uh, I, I think from the EU's perspective, like this, these are, from an economic point of view, these are basically retroactive taxes because the company would have been under the, operating under the assumption that these are the taxes they have to pay, whatever they initially agreed with Ireland, and their economic decisions are based on, um, based on those particular, uh, that particular arrangement. And then after the fact, they're having to pay taxes that they didn't anticipate paying earlier. So these are retroactive taxes, definitely, from an economic perspective. Uh, but from a legal perspective, the EU would argue that this is, uh, this is something, this is a rule that was already in place, and Ireland is violating that rule. So it's not that they're changing the rules uh, after the fact. They're just implementing a rule that uh, should have been implemented to begin with. Uh, so, uh, so in that case, from a legal point of view, it's not really that they, they changed the rule and then are applying a new law to the old situation. They're just uh, revising the situation and seeing that Ireland was not in compliance with its uh, EU commitments. Uh, so, um, so I think from a legal point of view, there's nothing too too unusual about this. It's more. More economically, it ends up being a retroactive tax, which is which is something that's uh, uh, generally we don't think that's a good thing because it uh, uh, it really adds a great deal of uncertainty to to businesses when they have to make decisions in advance. Yet, despite all that, Apple is the one who's facing the fine. Wow, isn't that something? So, before we continue this discussion, let's take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor, the Irish Potato Seed Union. Are you tired of eating only potato seeds? Why eat potato seeds now when you can let them grow into full-grown potatoes? It's as simple as that. This ad brought to you in part by Irish Potato Seed Union. Now to jump back into our discussion. So we've covered the benefits of the deal for Ireland, as well as the EU's rationale for breaking up these kind of sweetheart agreements. 
So what comes next as we await the outcomes of these appeals? Well, most of the business world is following this case because there are a lot of potential ramifications of Apple and Ireland losing their appeals. While it's hard to see many positives of an EU victory beyond ensuring fair competition. Going back to my discussion of the benefits to Ireland, removing deals like the one the Irish government has with Apple, coupled with the austerity measures being enacted across the EU, could set the Irish economy back to its pre-agreement state. With companies like Apple in Ireland, as Roman described, it went from being a country of poor farmers to a wealthy knowledge economy. If that's undone, Ireland could potentially require EU aid in the form of a bailout years down the road. I think another potential ramification of the EU winning this case is that they might incur the unintended consequence of injecting uncertainty into multinationals operating out of the bloc. Many multinationals have pre-existing deals in place with many of the EU members. These corporations, though, will have to reevaluate these deals if it is ruled that the deal violated the bloc's state aid policy. It will send the message out that the deal that they had struck with the country may not be upheld. You bring up a good point, Justin, but this uncertainty doesn't just affect multinationals currently operating in the EU, it also affects any company looking to invest in a foreign country. Despite recent changes in U.S. tax code, the United States still has one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world, and American companies are always looking to invest elsewhere. The precedent set by an EU victory will make multinationals hesitate to invest in EU member states. As an international tax advisor, Roman spoke to us about how this has impacted how he advises his clients. Uh, I certainly reach beyond just the te technical and accounting technical uh, considerations. And, you know, you, uh, and stability and predictability, uh, and of course the legal system, uh, are all quite important considerations in, uh, in, in these conversations. So what happens here with this uh, European Commission uh, ruling for Ireland and Apple is that it upsets the Apple card, no, no pun intended. And you know, the you know, future investors or companies that may find themselves in a position Apple was you know, some, some years ago and looking for a uh, smart way to do business in Europe or in any part of the world, they will certainly take into account the riskiness of this transaction and they will have to put a premium on it. So they will, have, they will look for higher returns on the capital they may risk. Uh, because of the uncertainty that's associated with this ruling. You know, and you know, certainly uh, you, you probably were surprised, just like most readers, uh, and you know, especially not familiar with the matter, that Ireland itself is also uh, <laughs> disputing this ruling and appealing this ruling. And, you know, so both the taxpayer and the tax collector are, are both appealing, uh, in part because they, they want to preserve their right to control the local tax policy. and. They like the deal that they've made, you know, so they, and, and I think there's a lot of economic benefit to it, and, you know, that you know, the European Commission may, uh, may not properly account, account for, you know, and by that I mean that, you know, when Ireland is part of the European Union, you know, you certainly want Ireland, Ireland to do well, and this is how Ireland can help itself without relying on taxpayers in other European countries. Uh, and uh, has succeeded in doing so, and, and yes, now you may see that as a, a bit of a retaliation, if you will, from other European countries who haven't thought of that first. Then if multinational companies are that important to EU economies, 
could you see countries reevaluating their membership with the European Union should a president of striking down sweetheart deals be set? I think it's extreme to say the outcome of the appeals could bring down the EU, but it would certainly force member states to reconsider their membership. There are definitely perks to being in the EU, but we've already seen one country begin the process of withdrawing its membership in Brexit despite those perks. Considering the importance of multinationals to economies like Ireland as well as Luxembourg, it's not outlandish to think that if the EU's policies will drive multinationals away, that the benefits of being an EU member could potentially be outweighed by the pros of having an independent tax code outside of EU regulations. Well, that definitely is something very serious to consider. But unfortunately, we are out of time. I'd like to thank both Justin and Brett for joining me here today, as well as Professor Sharma and Mr. Ranomazilski for their contributions to the show. Hope you join us next week again on ECON 344's The Public's 955 as we discuss income inequality across the world.